Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. We believe that with smart marketing, you can compete with the largest players in your industry. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. Today, I'm going to be joined by Joe Polizzi, and we're going to talk about content marketing strategy. If you have been struggling with your marketing for a while, and you're just really struggling to come up with a way to develop a long-term plan that will yield incredible return on investment for your business, this is absolutely the episode for you. So stick around. By the way, I am at Stelzner on Instagram. Also, if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow the show so you don't miss any of our future content. By the way, are you overwhelmed by all the tools needed to run your marketing and your business? What if there was an easier way to manage every stage of the customer journey? Would you consider it? Imagine easily improving your marketing automation, sales automation, customer relationships, and payment processing with one easy-to-use platform. What if you could save 10 hours a week on repetitive tasks? What would that do for your sanity and the growth of your business? This is the power of Keep, the leading sales and marketing automation platform for entrepreneurs, coaches, and consultants. Here's how Keep will help you grow without the chaos. Number one, eliminate multiple tools by syncing everything in one place. Your customer data, activities, and communication. Keep will help you regain lost productivity so you can close that next big opportunity. Number two, improve your follow-up with high converting automation sequences. Imagine watching the sales roll in as you finally embrace marketing automation. Number three, eliminate repetitive tasks and regain lost time with end-to-end automated workflows. Keeps Automation makes it easy for you to remain top of mind with your prospects. Sounds intriguing, right? Eliminate the overwhelm and upgrade to the solution that saves you time while making you money. Keep the platform trusted by more than 200,000 entrepreneurs. You've got to see it to believe it. Go to keap.com slash SME and click the See Demo button for access to a really helpful video demonstration of Keep. You support this show by checking out our sponsors. And now for this week's interview with Joe Polizzi. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. 
Today, I'm very excited to be joined by my good friend, Joe Polizzi. If you don't know who Joe is, you need to know who he is. He is a content marketing professional, author of the book, Content Inc. He's also the host of the Content Inc. podcast and co-host of the This Old Marketing podcast. And his email newsletter is called The Tilt. Joe, welcome back to the show. It's been a while. Michael, I can't believe it. We keep running into each other online. <laughs> Finally get to chat with you. I'm really, really glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So it's been a while, right? So I think we should bring people up to speed because I, I don't know how many years it's been since you've been on this show. But what I would love to talk about is what happened over the last six years for you, just to kind of give a little bit of backstory. And I'll start it out by saying you're the founder of the Content Marketing Institute and you sold that, right? So kind of what happened? That's right. That's what we'll take. Boy, it's amazing. I think you're right. I think it's been six or seven years since I've been on your your podcast. And basically, I always set the goal when we started Content Marketing Institute. My wife and I started it uh, in 2007, formally became CMI in 2010. We always wanted to sell. We started the process in 2015 and sold to um, UBM, it's a large London-based events company in 2016. I stayed on for a year and a half. What you sold them wasn't just the Content Marketing Institute. It was also Content Marketing World, which a lot of people might be familiar with. And that was really the big thing that I would imagine they were interested in, right? Or was it- That the was the thing, yeah, because UBM was all about events. Right. And of course, I can share all the revenue points if you want to, but most of our revenue, about 60% of our revenue came from Content Marketing World, our annual event that we held every September in Cleveland, Ohio. So, and, and as you know, you do your own event, highly profitable. We had a lot of sponsorship, about 70%. Highly costly too, we should also state. Highly costly too, but if you do it right and you get enough people and you pray, you get enough sponsors, it works out. So basically on a revenue basis, that event was about a $6 million event every year. And then we were at about a 45% profit margin. So very, very profitable. And of course, we did a million dollars plus in digital marketing, email marketing, webinars, all types of things. We were about a $10 million company in 2015 when we ended up putting it on the the block and, and selling it to, to UBM, which is now Informa. What happened to you after that? I mean, you kind of eventually went into retirement, right? So stayed on till 2017. And it's funny, I was, everyone was asking me some, this is October, November of 2017. And I have two months left at CMI and everybody's saying, Joe, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I honestly got sick of it, Mike. I'm like, this is, I I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm not going to do this. I'm going to do something else. And I started to research and found this idea of doing a sabbatical. And I'm like, boy, that sounds great. I said, in a lot of the sabbaticals, we're like, okay, take two weeks off, um, take a month off. And I said, I'm going to take the whole year off. So I did, you know, January 1st, I got off of email, got off of all social media, did totally no electronics in January, February. I flew to Sicily with my dad and I took the entire year off and it was one of the best years of my life. And what year was that? 2018. Got it. But it feels like you were off the grid for a little longer than just a year, right? Weren't you? Well, I wasn't in the, I mean, once I left CMI, I basically got out of marketing. I mean, you and I talked about this and you were saying, you're going to come back. And I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done with the whole marketing thing. I'm not going to start another business. And so took the year off. Then I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to be a novelist now. I'm going to, I'm going to write a mystery novel. I did that. The will to die. It was, it won a couple of awards. It did fairly well in sales and launched that party. Let's see, that party was March of 2020. So I'm out of marketing this whole time. Wow, just before the pandemic, really, huh? 
Oh my gosh. This is why we're talking here. And this is why my wife looks at me and says, I can't believe that pandemic because you started another business. But anyways, we'll talk about that later. But so this is March 3rd or 4th or something like that. The book's released. We come out, we have a big launch party. And then of course, a week, two weeks later, everything's locked down. And I still went along and said, okay, I'm still going to be a novelist. I started on the second edition of content of, um, I'm sorry, with The Will to Die. I'm like, this is going to be great, whatever. And then I started to get all these emails from friends that were get, they're leaving their jobs, they're getting left, let go. They're like, Joe, this Content Inc. book that you wrote in 15, is it still valid? Can I follow that? And I'm like, okay, this is weird. I mean, that's a six-year-old book or five-year-old book. I can't believe they're actually bringing that up. And I just got, I, I probably every other day, I started to get pings about this, Michael. And then I looked at the podcast. I The Content Inc. podcast was dead. I was not producing it anymore. And I was looking at the downloads and the downloads were going up and I'm not producing. I'm like, this is not right. Like something is going on. I don't know what people are searching for. And I called McGraw-Hill Education, who published the first edition of Content Inc. And I said, I think there's something here. Are you seeing this? And they said, we're seeing it too. Let's go produce the other edition and went ahead and did that. And <laughs> then started another business too. Part of the story is you and Robert Rose came back with your podcast also sometime within the last year, right? From when we're recording this, yeah, right? A little over a year we started. Basically, I got back in and I was in all the way. Were these things all interconnected where you're like, hey, Robert, let's spin up the old podcast um, because there seems to be interest in this? Or was that totally separate? It was totally separate. And I'll be honest with you, Mike. So, you know, Robert Rose and I are the best of friends and we've been great friends for over 10 years. And what happened during my whole uh, sabbatical or move away from marketing, we stopped talking. Oh, wow. Because the podcast was one of the main ways you connected, right? We talked for two hours a week and we talked basically a half hour before the podcast and half hour after our podcast is an hour long. And we were missing each other. And I, and I said, you know what, let's just do this, Robert. Why don't we just go back on the air so we at least talk for an hour a week? That's cool. And it's like, okay, let's do that. <laughs> and so we did. And, and, I, that and to my on. great pleasure, I was uh, all of a sudden, they're back. I'm listening. And it was really cool. So, okay. So what I'm hearing you say is you got out of the event business just before the event business crashed. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wasn't planned. That, that was incredible yeah. timing for you. We're not nearly in as good of a position as you were, uh, but we're hopeful that we're going to recover, obviously. And you've decided because there's so much interest to come back to kind of what got you really well known in the first place, which is to content marketing. So I would love you to kind of bring us up to speed with your most recent project that you're working on also called The Tilt. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the, the, the Content Inc. model, first of all, is the model that you built at Social Media Examiner that we built at Content Marketing Institute. You build an audience and you drive revenue from that audience. So, and then I was like, okay, I'm going to do the book Content Inc., which is fine. I'm like, it just seems a waste to just do the book. And I can't help, we can't help enough people with just the book. We have to do more. We have to, as you know, consistent communication over a long period of time, we need to deliver something else. And that's why I said, let's create something. And I was honestly infatuated with The Morning Brew. I don't know if you're subscribed to The Morning Brew. I'm not, but I feel that way about The Hustle. I'm imagining it's very similar. Yes. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, I love that email platform model where you're basically just creating this email content experience. And I think I said, well, that's just something we should do. 
and so went out, bought the tilt.com domain and went forward with the whole idea of most content creators out there are doing it as a hobby Hmm. and I want them to be financially self-sustainable. Like I want them to create real businesses from their content creation. And so that's the whole idea of turning content creators into content entrepreneurs. We launched the tilts in April. It's a two time a week e-newsletter. It's 1700 words an issue. It's a behemoth. And who is it targeting? Is it, it's targeting aspirational entrepreneurs, creators, and business owners? That's right. Yeah, that's absolutely right. There are some marketers that also have it as well because basically it's a really good place to get news about content creation. So we cover all the latest news and then we usually have two or three case studies in every newsletter from a small business that's actually doing something with content and generating revenue from it. So folks, if you don't know, I'm just going to state this, like Joe was the leading expert in the world in content marketing. His organization was exactly very similar to Social Media Examiner. He was like my alternative, except he wrote a lot more and was really more of an expert than I ever was where I- Oh, that's not true. Stop it. Come on. I mostly bring the experts to my stage, but Joe did all of that. And Joe really is amazing. And that's why I wanted to bring him on because I wanted to talk about content marketing and it is really never been more important in my opinion. But what I want is my first real question for you, Joe, is- sure. First of all, what is content marketing? Because some people might have a misunderstanding of what it is and why is it so important right now? So there's a couple of things. First of all, thank you very much. Let's break it down a little bit. When you say content marketing, you're saying, okay, instead of interrupting my customers in some way, let's say through advertising, you're, you're basically, you're using somebody else's audience to get your word across. That's what we know as advertising. And you're paying for that opportunity. With content marketing, what you're saying is, okay, I'm looking at a tar- very specific target audience and I'm going to deliver valuable, relevant, compelling information to that target audience over a long period of time in order to see some kind of behavior change. That's the marketing part. So we're, we're not just creating content to create content. We're actually doing it because we want to see a behavior change. Just to clarify, yeah. it's not using marketing messages in your content. It's using content to attract an audience to you so that something else can happen? Is that what I'm hearing you say? That's exactly right. So you are creating content just like a media company would. You're not talking about the widgets you sell. You're not talking about how great you are. You're talking about things that will help that audience member that you're targeting live a better life or get a better job. And the belief is if you build a loyal audience over time doing that, they will then uh, reward you with more product sales, more services sales. They'll stay longer as customers. Basically, content marketing came out of the loyalty space. Most of the initial content marketing efforts were custom magazines, loyalty-driven. If you get a custom magazine from Sam's Club or I get one from Mazda because I drive a Mazda. Yeah, Costco out here. Yeah, exactly. So same type of thing. So so those things happen. Or you want to create a better customer, let's say better yield. Those are content marketing goals that you're looking to do. So that's kind of the landscape. And a lot of people forget that, oh my gosh, I really have to talk about things my audience wants and not necessarily products that I'm pitching right now. And I want the sales teams breathing down my throat. You can't do that. That's different. That's product generated messaging. And that's not content marketing. So, for example, this podcast, content marketing, that's the right. Tilt, content marketing, your email newsletter, content marketing, your YouTube channel, content, content marketing, any kind of media that you create that is designed to attract an audience to you so that they become more loyal to you, right? So that you, so that it can make other things possible. 
I mean, the written word, the spoken word, video, it's all content as long as there's a strategy behind it. And am I right or am I wrong? That, or am no, I no, close? that's right. And, and I think what you, you were just about to say this, you have to do this over a long period of time because there is no content marketing campaign. When you say content marketing campaign, that's not a thing. Right. You are, if you're doing a camp marketing campaign or advertising campaign and you use or leverage content, that's a whole separate thing. Content marketing is a marathon, not a sprint. You consistently deliver over a long period of time, just like a media company would. Like the New York Times doesn't send their magazine out and then decide to stop it for two weeks, like most enterprises do. No, they ab- they continue to deliver because a co- content is a promise to your customers and you have to deliver ongoing. So that's a key part of content marketing. Why is it so important as we're recording this in 2021? Well, I can talk about the case studies in the book for one. You are one of them. I mean, just give me like the high level. Speak to the marketer, the entrepreneur listening right now. Why is this so important? I mean, just make the high level business case of why this is so important. So here's the thing. Advertising is inefficient and mostly ineffective in a lot of cases. I'm not saying that you shouldn't use advertising. I believe in some advertising, but what we're seeing right now, especially online, is a land grab for audiences. You're seeing all this content creation and everyone is vying for attention. And the thing is, if you're going to vie for attention and build an audience, and that audience, think of that audience as your future customer list. They're going to buy things. And once you build that audience, you have created an asset. And the people in your audience will buy more, stay longer, whatever they're going to do. I'll give you a quick example. When we launched Content Marketing Institute, we did a large research study and we found out that those people that subscribed to our blog, attended our webinars and listened to this old marketing podcast, spent 20% more money than anyone else that we targeted. They were our best customers. So we love them. So what we learn is if we deliver those things consistently over time and build that audience, we've created the best customer we could possibly imagine. These are the types of things that happen. And this is what you're seeing today when you've got all companies of all sizes that are looking to build an audience. They're saying, oh my gosh, I have access to that audience all the time. I can go talk to them. I can do R&D development with them. They will tell me and be honest which products I should launch. It is a whole different way of marketing, even though Content marketing is hundreds of years old. It's been around for a long, long time. John Deere's The Furrow Magazine was created in 1897, still around today because it sells John Deere equipment. So those things are not going away. It's just that we're able to communicate in so many different ways. And the playing field is leveled because we can use the same technology, a smartphone, a computer, and we have access to all these platforms just like a multi-billion dollar company does. So that's why I love the idea of small businesses doing this because in some cases you're at an advantage because you can focus on the content niches that they don't waste their time with. And I'm going to add my thoughts on also on top. I, I echo everything you just said and I'm going to add a few more things. First of all, this is the most economical form of marketing that there is, okay? You can spend a ton of money with Big Daddy Google and Big Daddy Facebook to just try to get a little tiny bit of reach in front of an audience that may that may spend seconds with you. You can spend the same amount of money or even less money and build content that could work forever for you. Forever, okay? We've got blog posts that we've written forever ago and they're still getting tens of thousands of people coming like literally every month, okay? The long 
long-term tail on this thing is massive. You know, everybody listening right now is active in the social space and they know that the shelf life of a lot of the activities that they do for paid or organic is extremely short. It's literally, if you're lucky, a day, right? And the content that you create with this kind of methodology is going to last a lot longer than a day. So just from an economics perspective, it is absolutely massive. From a loyalty perspective, it is really, really, really important because in this day and age where we are recording right now, there are bazillions of options that are out there right now, right? And your competitors are actually growing much faster than you are because they figured out content marketing because they've developed a live show or they've developed a YouTube series or they've developed articles or they've figured out how to get in front of that audience and they are growing and you are not because you have not yet embraced this thing. And it's just something people have to wrap their head around. They need to understand the strategy. Feel free to echo on top of what I said, or we can go to the next question. Cause I'm no, I mean, yeah. that's the thing. I mean, in 2012, 13, when you and I were really trying to figure this out, we had the events. I wondered, is there a model? Is there an actual business model? And that's what we found. We actually said, oh, there are people that do this. There's actually a couple of things that businesses that create content aren't aware of, and we found them. And so we can talk about some of those. But yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. It's just that if you're going to do it, and we'll talk about this as well, you can't dabble. You're either all in or you don't do it at all. Because if you just do it, a little bit here, a little bit there, you're not consistent, you don't follow through, it's, you're wasting everyone's time. Go buy advertising, go interrupt people. Don't, you know, it takes six months, nine months to most times just to see any kind of results. Then you see, you know, after 12, 15, 18 months, two years. I mean, there's a, I remember the pod, I wrote, what is content marketing in 2007? And when I looked at it eight years later, we were still getting 2000 new people to that one page every day. Here's the good news, everyone. Going all in doesn't mean you have to do everything, for example, that we do here at Social Media Examiner. You build up. So that's where we're going to start talking about strategy. And Joe has a great process that we're going to kind of touch at a high level. So a lot of people are like, all right, you sold me, Joe. I think I need to figure out how to put together a strategy for content marketing. So why don't you go ahead and introduce the stages of your process? Sure. Absolutely. Well, I just want to start with this because I think it's important so people get what we're talking about here with the kind of content. I want you to think, so if you're listening to this, I want you to think about what if you stop producing all your content, like all your email newsletters, all your webinar stuff, all your social media stuff, and you took it, put it in a box and shipped it away. The question is, would your customers notice? And most of the customers I talk, most of the businesses I talk to, the customers would never notice. So that's where we have to make kind of impact on it. We have to create indispensable content. There's some strategy around it. We'll talk about that. But you have to be in the mode of can we be the leading expert in something? And we don't just want to create something that everyone else has created. So we can start, probably should start at step one. There's seven stages to this thing. And we can touch on each of them, how many, how deep you want to go. Well, well, here's what we'll do. We're not going to go into all of the stages, but I would love kind of at a macro level to introduce all of them. And then we'll dig in on a couple of them. Is that cool? Yeah. Let's talk about the first two. They kind of fit together. This is the strategy part. Most of the time when people say, oh, Joe, I like this content marketing. I want to start a blog or I want to start a podcast. I'm like, okay, uh, you're starting at the wrong spot. We've got to go through some strategy and figure out why are we doing this and what makes sense for us and who are, who's our audience. So we start with that with the sweet spot. And what you do is you say, okay, who is our audience? Who are we trying to target? The more niche, the better. And on the one side, you want to put your skills and expertise. So what are the things that you know better 
than anyone else. And you want to list those on the one side. And on the other side, for that particular audience, what are their pain points? What keeps them up at night? You want to list those things. And that intersection gives you a good start of, okay, here's the stories that we can tell. And here's the audience's needs. And if those kind of mesh together, then you've got a starting spot for whatever that might be. Like yours was, oh, we're targeting a marketing manager, marketing director. They don't really know what to do with social media. They want the best tips. We have really good expertise and really good access to the leading experts in social media. That's a really good place to start. Perfect. So that's where you started there. Perfect. So, so, and we're going to dig into the sweet spot a little bit more, but at a macro level, what I heard you say is the sweet spot is identifying the things that you, the, the types of things that you feel like your organization or you as an individual can really speak to in whatever medium possible. And then to identify the things that your audience is struggling with and try to find those connections. And when you find those connections, you found your sweet spot, right? That's exactly right. So what's the second thing? Yeah. So the second thing is probably the most important thing, Michael, and this is where everyone gets it wrong. If you get your sweet spot right, it's not good enough. You've just started. You have to then go into what we call the content tilt. And the content tilt, and, and I'll give you this idea, because if if you go to Google, go to a search engine, type in cloud computing. If you type in cloud computing, you know what comes up? All the same stuff. Microsoft, Oracle, Amazon, Salesforce, it's all mired in sameness. There's no differentiation. It's practically identical content. And if you have practically identical content with someone else to the same audience, you're not going to break through all that clutter. So the content tilt is... I need to find an area of little to no competition that I can actually break through all that clutter with the information and build an audience. So we've got to figure out what that is. Okay. And we're going to expand on that a little bit. Can you just give us a little bit more? Like, uh, like, uh, is there an example with that cloud thing you just talked about? Like, what would be an example of the tilt in that cloud in, in, thing you just mentioned? Yeah, so there's many different ways to do it. Here's what I would like to talk about if you're okay. I want to talk about creating a mission statement first for your content because okay. that'll unearth what the tilt okay. is. All right, we'll come back to that. So let's just introduce the other five real quick at a macro level and then we'll go back to the sweet Got it. spot. Okay, so very good. So basically, so you find your differentiation area and we'll talk about different ways to find what that is. And then you do the base. Basically, now you're creating content. And what we find with all the hundreds of case studies we looked at with the base is, you don't diversify immediately, which is where most people make their mistakes. You pick one platform that you are amazing at. Like for example, you and I, you did the blog, I did the blog, John Lee Dumas, Entrepreneur on Fire, he did the podcast. So the base is where you're going to build your base? Is that kind of what I'm hearing you say? That's right, that's your core platform. Basically you figure out, okay, you, you take that audience target, you take that content tilt, you say, okay, what's my content type? Is it audio, video? Textual plus image. And where am I going? Where's my home base? Is it YouTube for video? Is it, um, you know, iTunes and Spotify for your podcast? Is it a WordPress blog for your textual plus image? Is it uh, Instagram for your pictures? Is it Clubhouse? I mean, it could be almost anything, right? If you want to do interactive audio. Exactly. But here's the thing. What we found is, is that successful content entrepreneurs, they don't choose two or three. They choose one. They basically become a blogger or a YouTuber or a Twitch streamer. And that's where a lot of people love it. Uh, go off the rails because if you diversify too quickly, you're not going to be great. What you want to do is break, you know, be the blogger, be the YouTuber, be the podcaster, break things in that, become the best in that. And once you create a minimum viable audience, then you can move on and diversify. And that's a little bit later we're moving ahead. But I love that idea of be great at one thing, focus, do that for nine to 12 months, 
build your audience. Yeah. Become the best there. And then what's next? What's the, what's that? And the next one is all about audience building. So right now you're probably spending a good nine to, you know, six to nine to 12 months on the base. And that leads into audience building. And this is where social media comes in, because if you decide, okay, I'm going to be on Twitter or Facebook or LinkedIn, what you want to do is you have to be really careful because you don't control any of those connections. You know, those followers are you know, those uh, YouTube subscribers. Those are YouTubes, not yours. They're letting you use them right now. So, so what we want to do is we want to have a plan to move up the subscriber hierarchy and we want to move into, guess what? Email. Who knew? Email is still amazing after all these years. Uh, so audience building means really acquiring the audience on an owned medium plat, owned That's media. Exactly. Thing? Right. Okay. You're moving from rented to own. So that means that if you've built your platform onto, let's say YouTube, let's say you have 10,000 subscribers on YouTube, you're really going well. Here's where you start to build the plan for some kind of an email offering going down the road that you have to control that. Right, or text messaging or whatever, right? Or text messaging. Yeah, a lot of people have found success with text messaging. A lot of that's around campaigns or location-based, which is fine. I still love the good old-fashioned email newsletter because that's what the data tells us. That's what the entrepreneurs are doing. That's what you do. That's what I do. Yeah, yeah. So, so far we've talked about find your sweet spot, figure out your content tilt, figure out your base. And that's where you're going to build. And then audience building is really like how you're going to get that audience into an own medium. What comes after that? Your revenue. Now you're, uh, by the way, you've got about 12 to 18 months now. Now you're in the revenue sweet spot. And what I like to say is have no revenue expectations for nine to 12 months. It doesn't mean you won't get revenue. I mean, just keep your expectations low because it takes time to build a loyal audience. So now once you build a loyal audience, now you have, believe it or not, 10 different ways that you could generate your revenue. So I'll go, I'll just go through those quick, quickly because it's important because it doesn't matter if you're a media company or not. It doesn't matter what you sell. You, all these are available to you. You could sell advertising sponsorship, do conferences and events. You could sell premium content like books. You could ask for donations. You could have affiliate marketing like our friend John Lee Dumas does at Entrepreneurs on Fire. You could sell subscriptions like you do on Substack. So those are generally media revenue types if you're yeah. a media company, but anyone can use them. Create your own products to sell too, right? That's it. Oh, that's so that's the four on the outside. So these are the four on the inside. The four on the outside are what we would call regular content marketing KPIs. You could sell products, you could sell services as two, you could make customers more loyal. That's your John Deere sending a loyalty magazine, or you could create better customers like TD Ameritrade does a magazine called Think Money, and they found that those customers, those traders that get that magazine trade five times more. They've created a better customer because of their content. So those are the 10. And you start getting into that in about you know 12 to 18 months so that you can keep the program going. And if you're a marketer, you won't get fired. Okay, and number six? And then number six is maybe my favorite because I just love the opportunities today around it. We can talk about some of those, is diversification. So this is where you diversify. All great media properties do this. They start with one base, one platform. Then when they create this minimum viable audience that you can drive revenue, now you're diversifying. So you're saying, okay, I created the blog. Now I'm going to launch the podcast or I that's like content tilt number two and number three almost, right? Almost. But the thing is, is I, content tilt number one is so important because if you don't have content tilt number one, you're never going to get to diversification. You'll never make it. Yeah. So far. like with me, I did the podcast and then eventually the YouTube and all that stuff. Those are all diversified. Is that what I'm hearing you say? 
that you're all diversifying. Now you can do this organically like you have. So you created, oh, I'm going to create the YouTube thing. I'm going to do the podcast. I'm going to create the society. Now you've done that really well and you've done it not all at the same time. You've done it. Okay, we're going to launch this. We're going to be great at it. Then we're going to launch the next one. Generally, you want these things to be six to nine months or 12 months apart when you do that. But here's the interesting thing that's amazing. And we're seeing this with companies of all sizes. You're seeing people get into diversification by buying influencers, bloggers, podcasters, and media companies. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because it is hot. I, I'm, I tell you, Mike, I'm going... Now, I don't go a couple of days without hearing about some deal. We know about HubSpot buying the hustle. We know about, uh, you know, Salesforce buying CMO.com or CMO club. We know these things are happening and the opportunities are immense because you're seeing a lot of content creators that really would be open to selling. So you're seeing podcasters say, yeah, somebody can buy my podcast. And here's the thing. Maybe it takes time to diversify. It takes time to build another audience. It takes time to build these content assets. And if you have some cash and some of these deals are five figures, some six figures, the HubSpot deal was, I heard, 24 to 27 million. I think we were talking about it. Yep. So those deals are out there, but they're all available. What you want to do, set your hit list of things you want to buy, make those connections. And there's an opportunity for you to diversify without having to create it organically. And then number seven, Number seven, here's where you get to the big part. So your seller go big, right? So I ended up selling Content Marketing Institute. That was my goal. You know, I, I would put you, Michael, under the go big. You're like, this is something I want to do. I want to keep growing this thing. I'm looking at new innovative ways to to generate revenue. So you're under the go big. Uh, another go big would be, you know, what Red Bull Media House did. You know, they went from Red Bulletin Magazine and say, oh, we're going to go big. And they created Content Pool and all their entertainment and all their videos. And now you don't know which is more valuable, Red Bull Media House or Red Bull itself. And then you have your lifestyle business, like your entrepreneurs on fire. And John Lee Dumas is very honest and says, you know, I'm just fine with having a $2 million business a year. I got no problem with that. So here's where you really start to add on and grow this thing and go. And basically... If you do this model, and here's what we generally find, if you do this model, you're generally looking at about $5 million in asset value after five years. That's what you're looking at. If it, with all the case studies we looked at in the book. Or even substantially more, depending on how big your industry is, right? Well, I mean, I mean I'll mean, i be honest. I mean, mine's out there. You read it in the book, my story. But, yeah. you know, we sold for a little less than $30 million on $10 million in revenue. Yeah, that's awesome. So. I'm telling you that because it's possible and it took us about seven years to get there. Yeah. So let's go back to the sweet spot. Content mission statement is something you and I talked about before we, when we were preparing for this thing, you said, Hey, Mike, I'd like to talk about what that is exactly. And I think that'd be helpful for everybody to kind of understand. So can you explain that? Yeah. Happy to talk about it. So I grew up in publishing and media, as you know, and the one thing that I learned about successful media companies is they always start with an editorial mission statement. They have their meetings, they lead with what is our editorial mission statement. And when they look at all their content, they run it through and they vet it through their mission statement. And what do businesses that are not media companies do? They don't have one of these. (laughs) They just create all kinds of content. So this is one of the differentiators that you can, and we'll talk about content tilt, but this is how you get to a content tilt. So you figure out your content mission statement. So the first thing is, number one, there's three steps. Who's your core target audience? Like really core. And I would challenge you to say, if you believe, let's say you believe your audience is plant managers, I would say that's probably not niche enough. 
Like it should be, you know, plant managers in the Pacific Northwest in companies of 10,000 or more that outsource to China or India. Like that's how specific we want to be because you want to ask yourself, how can you be the leading expert in something to that particular audience? And you have to really niche it down. So that's one. Number two, what are you going to deliver? Are you going to deliver simple tips in writing? Is this a bullet point list? Are these podcast stories? Are these YouTube videos? You know, what's the thing? What are the stories you're going to tell and how do you tell them? So that's the what is going to be delivered. So that's two. And number three is that everybody forgets, but it's the most important, is what is the outcome for the audience? And if you look at really bad mission statements, not just content mission statements, Mike, but if you look at really bad mission statements, they talk about how great they are. We're awesome and the stakeholders this and we have all these products and we do this and that. And they never talk about who their audience is and what's in it for their customers. This is where what you do with a mission statement. So you have to figure out what the outcome is for the audience. So I'll give you an example. And our friend Darren Rouse over at Digital Photography School, he's created a multi-million dollar property over there. His is, I got it in front of me. It says, welcome to DPS, a website with simple tips to help digital camera owners get the most out of their cameras. Not rocket science, right? Yeah. But very particular, very specific. And he believes if he does that, he can be the leading informational expert in the world to that audience. And guess what? He is. And guess what? His website is worth millions and millions of dollars now. And he's done it for a couple of years. That's awesome. I love that. Now let's talk about the content tilt a little bit more. You said before that it's important to create content that isn't just like everybody else, right? So can you give any wisdom about how to make content that has an impact? Absolutely. So, you know, our friend Mark, I'm going to, I'm going to take a line from our friend Mark Schaefer because I just read his book, uh, Cumulative Advantage, which is a really good book. And he, I've been using content tilt for years and he calls it finding the seam, which Mm -hmm. I really like just for the visual aspect of it. So what he says is, is once you find a content area, what you have to do is find that seam, that opening in the line, like in football and push through it as quickly as possible, which is with as much energy as you you can. So you found a differentiation area. So you're like, okay, well, how do you go ahead and find that differentiation area? We talked about it. Maybe one is audience. Maybe nobody's focusing on that particular audience as much as anyone else. We talked about that plant manager. Well, is it a plant manager. If you're talking about engineers, is it a mechanical engineer? At what size company? At where? What kinds of problems do they have? This is where you get into buyer personas. You have to be very particular. So one way to differentiate is focus on an audience that no one else is focusing on. Another one is story positioning. And this is what we did at Content Marketing Institute. Nobody was calling this thing content marketing when we started. They called it custom publishing, custom content, custom media. We thought that we could differentiate quickly and bust through the seam if we called it something different, put a lot of energy behind it and see if it would resonate. And guess what? It did. So in 2007, we launched this whole content marketing thing. And by 2010, it was the de facto term for the industry. And HubSpot did this really well with inbound marketing as well. So that's kind of from a positioning standpoint, or you could also say platform. This is before the pandemic, but I had a meeting in-person roundtable with a bunch of HVAC heating and air conditioning contractors. And they were all talking about, oh, how can they differentiate? Everyone's doing a blog. Everyone's doing a video. You know, I don't know if I believe them, but they were talking about that. And I said, okay, well, who's doing a podcast? And they said, nobody that we know of. 
And I said, oh, maybe that's a way to differentiate. Maybe it's on platform. So there's another thing. Maybe you can be the one on a clubhouse, right? Maybe you can be the non-gamer on Twitch that's streaming something. Like there's a politics have taken off on Twitch because people weren't using it for that. And now it's just taken off. So these are the types of things that you can really look at to differentiate that I don't think people think about to start with. I love this because I want to slow down for a little bit here. Like I think of Roger Wakefield on YouTube. I don't know if you know who he is, but he's a plumber. Okay. out of Texas and he's just crushed it on YouTube because there weren't very many plumbers doing anything on YouTube, right? And it just completely blew up his business. Uh, he was just a small Texas plumber who was struggling and he started teaching people first in the beginning, just everyday things. And then he realized, because he's probably in his 50s, maybe even 60, that a lot of younger plumbers were looking to him as a leader and he pivoted into helping plumbers get into the plumbing industry. And all of a sudden he's speaking on these national plumbing stages and he's a celebrity because he decided to go all in on YouTube because he noticed nobody else was doing it. Right. And I think this is really fascinating, right? Because there's two different angles here, right? Like you can pick a super narrow niche or you can pick a platform that's got a greenfield opportunity and you don't have to be as narrow, right? Because you're one of the few that are there. That's exactly like right. Cooking and podcasting. And there's all kinds of ways yeah. to, to differentiate. You got it. Yeah. So and the, the other one that I think of that is great. I love your plumbing example. Another one is Jenny Doan. And I don't know if you've heard of Jenny Doan before, but mm -mm. she's the CEO of uh, Missouri Star Quilting Company in Hamilton, Missouri. And so her issue was, this is years ago, and she didn't understand why it took so long, months to make a quilt. And she's like, there's got to be a better way. So she coined this term called quick quilting. And then she went and created two times a week. She would create a quick quilting tutorial on YouTube. And she did that over and over and over again, started building an audience. I think she's got something like 500,000 subscribers now. And now her business went from zero to $40 million a year. She uh, employs more people in Hamilton than any other employer. And she did it because this YouTube thing just took off. And now she's like... They have like the Disney world of quick quilting in Hamilton and people come from all over the world to come see her because she looked, she positioned the story differently. She said, I don't, I don't believe this quilting thing takes months and months. I want to do it quickly. Let's do quick quilting. I'm going to teach people how to do it quicker. And it took off. Yeah. And everyone that's listening, you know, there are so many different mediums and there's new mediums popping up all the time, right? Like, like there's. YouTube, of course, for video, there's the written word, which can be on your own website or on LinkedIn or anywhere else for that matter. Right. And then you've got audio is blowing up right now because there's all these new kinds of audio that are emerging. Right. We've got this live audio concept, which kind of was spurred by Clubhouse. Right. So if you're somebody who happens to have the gift to kind of entertain or just really interact with people, that's creating a whole new medium. That's like talk radio you know, but hasn't really yet existed in the online world. And there will be others, right? Like you think of TikTok. TikTok is short form video, right? And there are people that are like, I'm hearing about dentists and stuff that are just blowing up on TikTok and they're becoming super famous, even though they're a local business. And all of a sudden it's just opening up all these opportunities. And, you know, you're talking 15 second videos there. So, so you start to get a little creative here and you start to realize there mm -hmm. is a lot of opportunity here if you just start like putting your brain to it. Right. You know, what's funny though, it's interesting because I thought of the, the Harry Potter analogy, you know, when he gets sorted, the hat, the hat sorter, he gets sorted into the house. You don't have to do video. You don't have to do TikTok. I get a lot of small businesses that say, I don't like being on video and I don't want to be on TikTok. You don't have to be. You get a say in it. 
Like you, you can't. And it's funny. I just talked to Brian Clark from Copyblogger, and he said, "I don't do anything on video. I love to write." So everything that he does is right. And most of his stuff is writing. And you know what? He's done very well just with blogs and email newsletters. So you can make a decision based on your own skill and expertise in telling stories. And you don't. And then, by the way, that's really good to focus, as we talked about with the platform and the base. So that's a good way to start. Well, and for, for what it's worth, we have a very large YouTube channel uh, now. It's like 130,000 plus subscribers, 400,000 views a month. I don't show up on that channel hardly ever. So you get to a certain point where in this, right, and I've been doing this now for like 11 or 12 years uh, since 2009, you get to a certain point where you begin to grow and you begin to hire people that are able to do things that maybe you are not able to do, right? And that's how you can begin to diversify over time. But it seems impossible in the beginning, right? Like if you would, if I would have gone back in time and said to either of us, this is what you're going to build, we probably would have freaked out a little bit. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, that brings to mind, uh, we know we've done that at Content Marketing Institute. We did that re- big research project with marketing profs every year. I didn't touch that research. Right. Like that, I didn't create it. I didn't produce it. I, I didn't write any of it. I didn't do, I mean, I looked at it, of course, and I said, great, that's wonderful. But that was, you know, 10 years of doing that research. One of the greatest things we've done, one of the best audience builders we've ever had, and you don't have to do it. So that's when you get into diversification. It doesn't have to be all you. Like there's plenty of people out there, plenty of talent that's willing to work with you on it. Tell me about Indium. I think I said that name right, right? This Is this an example that, that you, this is the name that you gave me when we were in our pre-conference of an example you wanted to talk about? Yeah, I like Indium. Indium has been a case study for a long, long time. And what I like about it is that these are 27 engineers at a uh, industrial soldering company that have created basically their best lead generation component. So basically Indium, the manufacturer industrial soldering equipment, they were trying to find a new way in the market. They didn't know what to do. And they said, okay, well, what do we have expertise-wise? Well, we've got a lot of engineers that know more about um, industrial soldering equipment than anything else. They know complex soldering processes. And they said, okay, well, who's the audience? Well, we're targeting engineers, mechanical engineers, that really need how-to education on soldering because they have to spec these things and they don't know how to do it. Like, okay, there's your sweet spot. We just figured that out. And they said, okay, well, now what's next? Well, we've got all these engineers, but what do we do? Like, they're not really good writers. Well, what they did is they hired an editor. Those editors interviewed the the engineers. The engineers then produced the content, proofed it, all that kind of stuff. And they created basically one of the best blogs in the entire engineering industry called From One Engineer to Another. And I love it because Rick Short, who ran this program, he says, he could buy all kinds of advertising in the world. He could do events. He could do everything. He can't beat the impact that that blog, that simple blog has had on the business because almost all their new business comes directly from the blog. Joe, I know we've just scratched the surface of this strategy. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this is what your book, Content Inc., is all about. Is that correct? All seven steps, detailed, about 150 case studies in it. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about the book. Just give us kind of a quick summary of who it's for and just give us a little 60 seconds on that. Yeah, basically, if you're looking at the content marketing process, I think you can use the Content Inc. model. I don't care if you're an individual content creator or if you're marketing at a smaller, medium-sized business. I think this is the model to use. It is not a quick results model. It is a seven-step model where if you believe and you want to invest in building content assets over time, this is the model that you use, that I use, that every content empire out there, every content 
marketing example that's worth its salt has used. And all we did was re-engineer the process. I just looked at all the successful case studies and I said, how do they do that? And I just worked it back and it's these seven steps. And so that's what the book's about. This year, we added all kinds of case study, global case studies as well, because we were a little heavy on North America. So we added a bunch of global case studies, got some great case studies from Europe this year. Is that audiobook too? Did you did you do one of those too? Or is Absolutely. It audiobook is out. And hopefully by the time people listen to this, it will be <laughs> it will be out depending on Audible. But yes, we're doing the whole thing, a print book, ebook, audiobook everything we are and we're doing tour, and it's called content inc inc um see. just got to be clear it's not inc and it's, by the way it's the second edition so it's the orange cover so if you see the white cover please don't buy that that's the old one you want the orange cover start a content first business build a massive audience and become radically successful with little to no money and i believe that you can have my word on it if you do it it will be successful but you have to be patient Joe, if people want to contact you on the socials, do you have a preferred platform or if you want to send them to a website or anything, do you have any place you want to send them? Yeah, I mean, my home base right now is the Tilt. That's the new business, but I'm at Joe Polizzi, P-U-L-I-Z-Z-I on Twitter. That's my main base and my second base is, is LinkedIn. But but really Twitter, you can DM me on Twitter anytime you want. And the Tilt, uh, what's the website on that? TheTilt.com. Joe Polizzi. Thank you so much for, uh, we could have gone for another hour for sure, but thank you so much for coming on and illuminating us with the strategy talk that we had. I feel like it was really, really valuable. Thank you, my friend. Michael, I can't thank you enough for all the support. Your friendship has is, is meant so much to me and I really appreciate you having me on here. Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes. Just head over to socialmediaexaminer.com slash 461. And if you're new to this show, be sure to follow this show. If you've been a longtime listener, let your friends know about this show. I am at Stelzner on Instagram. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. See you next time. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.